Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturay, your one-stop shop for metabolically supportive supplements and fully saturated skincare. And today I am joined by my co-host and also co-founder of New Strength, Craig McDonald. Mm. Welcome back, Craig. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. It's such a great time last time talking about muscle. I know you love to talk about growing muscle. Me too. Yeah. Get pretty excited by it. You do. You love it, don't you? Mm. You love a bit of muscle growth. And we we covered some really, um, so just to do a quick uh, recap of what we covered in episode one. And so if you haven't listened to this episode one, I would highly recommend that you go and listen to that first and then listen to this. So in episode one, we covered what are the main benefits or health benefits of having more muscle? If your goal is fat loss or weight loss, why is building muscle important? Why is progressive overload important when it comes to building muscle? Why is training effort or intensity important when it comes to growing muscle? And do I need to eat in a calorie surplus in order to grow muscle? So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that now. And in part two, we're going to talk about why are protein and carbs important for muscle growth? We're going to talk about sleep and why that's also so important for recovery and some ways that you can optimize your sleep, hormonal health and training with your cycle, exercise selection and execution. And I'm going to ask Craig if it's possible to do a muscle while training at home and doing body weight exercises and using exercise bands because I get that question a lot. And He's also going to talk about different phases. So when it comes to weight loss or fat loss or growing muscle, or I guess just, you know, changing your body to have more muscle and less body fat, what, what are phases and why that, why are they important? And then how long does it actually take to, you know, grow muscle and build that toned and athletic body? So Craig, I guess let's start with why are protein and carbs important for muscle growth? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, protein is, you know, it gives us the building blocks to, uh, well, I mean, it's not just about muscle. I mean, mm. everything in your body is made up of, of protein and, and, the, and the raw form of that is uh, amino acids. So, you know, it's, it's very, very simple. If you want to be able to grow muscle, you just can't do it without protein because your muscle is primarily made up of just amino acids, which makes up all the tissue. So, you know, as you go through the the process of training, you know, what you're doing is actually breaking down that muscle tissue. So you you go into the gym, lift weights, you create a stimulus. If the stimulus is high enough, it's going to break down that muscle tissue um, to a certain point. And the only way you're going to then, you know, obviously grow that tissue back and it become even stronger is providing, uh, is based on the fact that you're actually eating enough protein you know, based off your your body weight and how much lean body mass you have. Um, and that process, that recovery process and adaptive process also requires energy. You don't recover for free, right? And I think this is one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, a lot of people do get wrong is that, you know, they, they train, train hard and they're okay with their nutrition. But if you if you train hard enough, then the reality is you need to be more specific with your nutrition if you want to see the adaptions that you want to see session after session, week after week, month after month, because like growing muscle is a, is, is a very, very slow process, <laughs> unfortunately. It is bloody slow, isn't it? Very, very slow yeah. process. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously were throwing there, you know, you look at a lot of professional bodybuilders, they, they use 
drugs. They use, mm. you know, performance enhancing drugs to speed up the process. No one ever argues the fact that drugs don't work. They do work. They're, they're highly effective for that process. Now, I'm not condoning the use of those. Yeah, we're not recommending but, you go out and take some steroids, everyone. No, definitely yeah. not. It's need that. protein. But, yeah. the, but the point is, is that they, they use those because even for people who are the most dedicated, lifting all the big weights and sleep and they don't drink alcohol and they do, they live in a bubble, it's still a slow process, right? So we want to be making sure that every time we go to the gym and we put in that high amount of effort, that we're also backing that up by eating the appropriate amount of protein you know, throughout the day. And also that we're, because uh, lifting weights is glycolytic in nature, it is using carbohydrates for fuel, that we want to be fueling that recovery and adaptive process by also eating enough carbohydrates as well. So they go hand in hand. Um, it, it still sort of baffles me why people don't eat carbs if they're lifting weights. It, it just, it just performs so much better. I know from just before meeting, I met you, yeah. you know, I was just starving myself and training fasted. And then I met yeah. you and you're like, eat this food kitty and eat more food. And all of a sudden I could, you know, perform so much better in the gym. And I think that a lot of women who might listen to this, typically we find with women in our program, they come in is they're under eating protein and over eating fat. So, you know, like just an easy way, because women like, oh, as I always said to Craig, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know how women don't eat enough protein. I struggle to like keep my protein lower, you know? Um, But I think an easy way that you could do it is, you know, you have your, let's pretend your target is 120 grams a day. Um, You know, you could have five to six meals and you just split it roughly evenly over those meals and plan ahead. And that's a really simple and easy way that you can hit your protein. And, you know, when we recommend protein sources to clients, we recommend animal protein sources because they're more bioavailable. You know, they've got nutrients in there that you can't find in plant proteins. They're easier to digest because they're more bioavailable. Um, You know, things like, and try and get it from a variety. So, you know, like I just used to eat bloody chicken, egg, chicken, Mm. breast, egg whites. Yeah. Yeah. Whey protein powder. So, you know. Like, why am I eating this? Oh, I don't really know. That's just what we've always done. So we'll just continue. Oh, thank God. I ch- it's just more enjoyable too, you know, like, so your muscle meats from, if you can, pasteurized animals, eggs, again, from pasteurized animals, seafood, good quality dairy, um, collagen and gelatin. So, you know, I eat a lot of saturated collagen. It's just easy to up your um, uh, gelatin intake. You can make things out of the best bloom gelatin, which is awesome. Um, seafood. Did I say seafood? I said dairy, didn't I? Yep. Yep. So, you know, just if you have a bit of a variety, you should sort of nail all your, all your bases. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're going to get more bang for your buck. I think when you, when you're sort of including all that, you know, to, to, to hit 120 grams of, of protein, you know, it's, you only need a few serves really of, you know, one of those meat options. And then if you're having mm. some dairy and then if you're having eggs, like it's, yeah, it's it's quite interesting looking at clients that you know have come from different nutritional backgrounds, perhaps a, a vegan diet or you know vegetarian or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, one of the biggest things that they struggle to eat enough protein, but it's just when you understand where you're getting your protein sources from and they're, and they're varied, and understanding that we don't want to be nutrient deficient in anything, which usually means us eating a wide spectrum or wide wide variety of foods. Uh, you know, for for. Uh, you know, as you mentioned yourself, I mean, for me as well, like it's, it's actually hard mm. to not overeat it. Like you've actually got to take a bit more uh, a measure of protein. So I could easily eat 250, 300 grams of, of protein a day, you know, but I only need 200, mm. um, you know, for, for my size. So again, it's just a, a lot of it just comes back to the knowledge of understanding what foods are giving you what mm. um, and making sure that however you're setting up that nutrition structure, 
is number one is it's got to be enjoyable, right? Mm. And then once it's enjoyable, it becomes more sustainable. And it's, it's that sustainability over the long term is obviously where you're going to see the results. Uh, Nothing that you do in a day or even a week is going to change your body composition or your health. Like all of those things happen over a period of time. So you always have to start with enjoyment. So, you know, when there's certainly in protein, land there's such a wide variety of options it's just like just start so many things if you like yeah yeah, yeah. and plan ahead yeah you know, we always say key the broken plan record ahead. plan ahead plan ahead so yeah. i've thought you know we're so busy now with the release of our new program and this week i've just thought oh excuse my french but fuck imagine how screwed i would be if i didn't do any prep i'm like we've just been so busy you know working really long hours and you know, it's just been so good to have that food there prepped, ready to go and making sure I'm sort of eating every four hours. Um, Yeah. I would have been up shit's Creek basically if I hadn't prepped the food. So you can can see how easy it is for people to fall into the wagon of, of playing the the reactive approach to their nutrition as opposed to a mm. proactive approach. And the reactive Mm. one is you're always chasing your tail and it stresses you out because you're like, Oh, what am I going to eat now? And if you're trying to track your food, you're constantly spending all of your time at each meal, either in MyFitnessPal or Chronometer or whatever fitness app that you're using. And people are like, oh, I just don't want to be spending any more time. And it's like, I spend three minutes a week in mind because it's already pre-planned ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're playing that reactive approach, it just leads to generally making poorer decisions mm-hmm. uh, with food choices because you're just not organized. Um, totally. 100%. We, we'll say that every episode. Plan ahead, everyone. Plan ahead, plan ahead. Uh, okay, so we talked about protein and carbs. Dis- discipline oh, is freedom. Discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So why is sleep important for muscle growth? Yeah, so, I mean, again, one of those really intuitive things, um, all of your recovery happens when you are asleep, you know, so we've got the four stages of, of sleep. So you've got your light sleep, uh, and then you uh, – which is you sort of got your entry level sleep and then your light sleep, and then you go into your REM sleep. And that's generally where uh, you basically do your brain dump uh, of everything that's, that's gone on through the day. And then you fall into deep sleep where you go into that deep recovery state. And uh, you know, that's, that's recovering everything. It's, you know, it's, it's muscles, it's joints, it's tendons, it's mitochondria of your cells. Even they repair while you sleep. Pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Mm. Um, obviously where you release fat um also that's that's actually when that process happens so i mean again from the, the point of you know if we're talking about body composition specifically if you're not getting enough sleep you're not recovering mm. um and if you never get past the recovery process you never actually go through the adaptive process where you actually start to see the results of your hard work um and then you know the, the flow-on effect from that if you're not getting enough sleep if your goal is to continue to progressively overload adding more weight to the bar, you know, more reps over time, improving your performances in the gym. If you can't do that simply because you're too tired, mentally you're not ready to really kind of attack those weights, we're just spinning your wheels. You're not getting anywhere. So, you know, it's certainly from a coach's perspective, you know, like one of the first questions I ask is, tell me about your bedtime routine. You know, what's, what's, your, what's your pre-bed routine look like? What's your sleep hygiene look like? Um, you know, and I'm trying to understand, I'm like, what time are they going to bed? You know, what are they doing an hour before they go to bed? You know, are they watching? Are they being stimulated? Are they playing PlayStation or are they, you know, are you watching whatever on TV? Um, 
you know, and, and does that change night to night? You know, is there any real structure there when they go into bed? Most of the time when I ask the question, I'm like, what time do you go to bed? It's like, oh, anywhere between nine and 11. I'm like, it's a two hour difference. Mm. Like, yeah. But once I put the kids down, I just need some downtime. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, t- I totally get that. But again, mm. we've got to step back and look at the big picture of what it is that we're trying to achieve. Because if the excuse, well, I'm not saying it's an excuse, we'll call it an excuse in this one. Uh, if the excuse is uh, I'm, I'm not getting my result because I'm too tired to train properly. And that's happening because I need to have some downtime at night. Once the kids go down, well, you need to make a decision. Is it mm. you, the downtime more important than, than getting that long-term result? Mm. So again, it's just, again, whatever you choose to do is completely up to you, but you have to accept the fact that the people that are having the best results, because we all know that when sleep is optimized, and this is not opinion when you look at a lot of the sleep studies, mm. when sleep is optimized, better decisions are made, right? Oh, totally. Better yeah, choices totally. with food, better choices with, uh, you know, how you handle stressful situations, keep your emotions in check. Like we all know what it's like when you're really, really tired, right? Mm. I've got, we've actually got a really good uh, close friends of ours. They just had their, first baby not too long ago and uh, every time i talk to him he's like oh my god man like oh yeah nothing can you can prepare you like everyone's just like oh you're not gonna get these things like nothing can prepare you for what it's really like and he was the same as me like somebody really into going to the gym and you know eating well and doing all the right things and he's just like oh man it's just like my life's just upside down um and you know so it's it's just it's one of those things like he can't help that because obviously he's got a newborn but if you're not in that situation, then you have to make a decision on what's the most important thing. And reality is the best thing that you can do. Like what, what was the quote from, um, I think Stan Efferding said that he goes, Oh yeah. If you're, if you're only getting five hours of sleep at night, but you're really consistent or stressing over how much creatine or what supplement you're taking the next day, he's like, you're a fucking idiot. He's like, cause you're basically stepping over a hundred dollar bills to, to, to pick up nickels. Was, this is what he refers yeah. to. And I yeah. thought it was such a great, quote because it's, it's absolutely so good right. so many people are putting the horse before the cart and they're going i'm focusing yeah. on all these little things i'm like you wouldn't even need to worry about most of those things if you just went to bed a few hours earlier every night it would just make totally, up totally. the difference and i was going to say i did a really good post uh, last week with a roadmap on how to get a good night's sleep so we won't go into it now we'll just go back to my instagram and check out that post because it's a really good graphic and it's got lots of information uh on you know how you can actually um improve your sleep because mm-hmm. we could talk for hours and these are supposed mm-hmm. to be um more shorter podcasts uh okay so this is a good one hormonal health and, and training with your cycle now um I personally haven't ever really experienced this. Like, you know, I've never really noticed that at certain times of my cycle, I'm stronger or weaker, but we've had, I've had clients that said to me, oh, I've noticed in, you know, this particular phase, I feel stronger or weaker. You know, can you comment, I guess, on your views and your experience working with clients in this? Yeah. So, you know, when we look at like the menstrual cycle specifically, you've essentially got three phases. So you've got your your follicular phase, which is leading up to, uh, ovulation, then you've got your, um, you know, that ovulation phase, and then that goes into the, the luteal phase uh, before you then. But I guess ovulation isn't really a phase, is it? It's more just an event. Oh, yeah. 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 A big that's, event, that's, a big event. Probably the probably most good... important part of the cycle. Yeah, but that's <laughs> obviously that, that event is when mm. estrogen is the highest. 
because that's obviously estrogen well, just before is the, yeah. yeah is when your egg gets released so um so it's it's uh, a lot of training around your cycle is training in line with what's happening with your hormones at any particular time so when you're you're in your follicular phase obviously your estrogen and progesterone are quite low and that's generally known when we look at the literature is, is time where you should be you know in the first week you're talking about the first yeah, week. like yeah. like pushing your training and and right up to sort of towards the the ovulation sort of phases you know that that seems to be the time where you can really really sort of push your training and then you know during um or just after ovulation when you start to transition into that luteal phase both estrogen and, and progesterone are really, really high and then you know that's generally where you kind of want well, then to obviously estrogen drops off yeah you your pull, increases. Pull, pull your training back and then you know obviously for the most part i think it's it's it's, it's known that obviously as you when you've got your period you should be kind of pulling your training right back at that point um now it's 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 an interesting one because all of that technically is true and and all of that definitely does make sense and i think if somebody is you know really trying to understand their cycle a little bit more or is potentially having any issues with that then and and if, and is feeling quite um tired at certain times of their cycle and that's something that they've got data and history on they're like yeah at this particular point in my cycle every month i notice i'm really really tired if you've got that sort of data then yeah sure it, it absolutely makes sense for you to you know adjust your training accordingly um I, I kind of went a little bit too far into the weeds as i do with certain things around nutrition and training um when i was reading all this stuff and i was like you know this is this is what we need to do we need to you know really you know make sure we're, we're setting up our training to be a bit more specific like this and and what i found was that for most people you know, we would be setting up the training where we'd be like, okay, you're kind of going through, uh, you know, th this luteal phase now, you know, kind of needs time to sort of pull the training back. And then the client would be like, but I feel really good at the moment. Like, well, my training's going well. I don't, do I have to pull it back? And then other times where it was like time to train it, you know, ramp it up, you know, or, you know, but we kind of actually follow this cycle a bit more specifically. It just didn't always fit with clients. And because you're constantly chopping and changing what they're training and how they should be training, it becomes very, very hard to actually measure over a consistent amount of time the actual progress that they would make. And we know that certainly from a muscle building perspective, that the more times that you can, can train a muscle intensely, the more it's going to grow. And given how slow that it, or how much time it takes to actually grow a legitimate amount of muscle, every time you're taking consistent breaks on that, it's going to eat into that. Now, the other thing too is, and, I, and this is probably the point that I want to hammer home, is that when we start getting into the, the, the realm of trying to understand what our hormones are doing at any given point, oh, gee whiz, it becomes really, really hard to measure because I, I can ask anyone, anyone listen to this, if you could answer this question, if I just said, you know, can you tell me what, what your estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, and adrenaline levels are right now as we're talking? There is not a single person on this planet that could answer that question. Nobody knows nothing at any given time. And this is the reality. Sure, we can probably, you know, subjectively, emotionally, but maybe tap into kind of, I'm really stressed. Yeah, probably makes sense that your cortisol is a bit high because of this stressful event. But the reality is nobody really knows at any time what's going on. So I think when you start basing things around, you know, hormones and what they might be, 
oh, given that you can't objectively measure, I, I think it's and, – and the other thing too is you could have just had a bad sleep the night before. You could have just a digestive issue from, uh, you know, something poor that you ate. You know, maybe you've got a stressful event. Maybe your boss is being annoyed. Maybe you're having a fight with your partner. There are all these sort of things that can dictate or influence your how you're feeling at that point in time. Your energy level, your mood, you know, your mental capability to go into the gym and lift. Do you know, so so th- th- there's a lot of factors that can influence it, and it's very hard to pinpoint. Is it because I'm in this particular phase of my uh, menstrual cycle, or is it because my boss is being an asshole and he's stressing me out, or is it because da, 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 da. there's so many unknowns and so many things that you can't measure that I think at the end of the day we just need to pull it back and remove the noise and kind of go look. Here's the training program. Our goal to change body composition is to get stronger and progressively overload. We want to do that. If you get to a point at whatever time in your cycle, and it's like. Oh, my kids woke me up during the night last night. I was, I was up and down, you know, two or three nights. I'm feeling really tired today. Okay, cool. So you're tired from a legitimate thing of your kids waking you up. Here's what you need to do. Don't train today. Go for a walk. Get better sleep the, night, the, the next night and then try again tomorrow. Just roll your session over. And I think when you can kind of pull it back and just be a little bit more... Uh, listen to your body, basically. Yeah, listen to yeah. your body. You just so go, you're not look, just look, going, just, look, the literature says that I'm doing. not that strong during this yeah. time of my cycle, but I feel good. Yeah. You should train. Yes. But obviously, if it's the reverse, yeah. listen to your body. Listen to your body. Yeah. 100%. You know, but I think you'd be honest. You know, sometimes it's, it can be just the case of, man, I just really don't want to train today for whatever reason. And you need to make a decision. And it's like, well, do I just need to suck it up and just go, well, this is part of the ebbs and flows? Like, you know, there's plenty of times where I certainly don't want to train it, but I, I do it because of the, the greater benefit that it gives. Mm. Sometimes you've got to have that decision. It's like, if you really don't want to train that day, that's fine. Just don't train. Do it again tomorrow. But make sure that you, you know, try and do what you can from a stress reduction point of view and get some more sleep, make sure your nutrition's on point so that tomorrow you're not going to use that same excuse again. Mm. Um, and, and I think if, if you just kind of keep it simple, it just makes the whole thing a little bit more measurable. And, and again, I, from an objective point, like looking in Recomposer, which is the training app that we use to measure people's performances and you know, you know, how well they're, they're progressing with their lifts. Um, you know, at, at no point when I'm seeing PBs, do I, do you know, people say oh, I'm at this point in my cycle or whatever, you know, they just, we just train, right? And, it's and just, listen to your body. Listen to your body. Yeah. If, if yep. you need to have a day off, then just have a day off, yep. right? Awesome. So. Um, okay, cool. So next question is, uh, okay, exercise selection and execution. So let's first talk about exercise selection. Yep. You know, what, oh, I'm just trying to think about how to start this, but you know, like if you really want to build muscle, I guess all exercises are going to build certain muscles in your body. Yes. <laughs> but when it comes to like, if I want to grow muscle quickly, <laughs> Yep. which is not quickly. You can't grow quickly, but you know what I mean? For example, like a, de- a, a, dead, a deadlift is going to hit more muscles and grow more muscles than say a bicep curl. So can you talk about exercise selection? Yeah. So I think the best way to approach it is, and, and as a side note, you know, going back quite a few years ago, I was very much under the belief that everyone needed to, to back squat, bench press and deadlift, you know, because I always looked at it as those are the big bang for your buck uh, movements. And if you're not doing those, you're kind of leaving progression on the table, so to speak. 
Um, but then as I, I, I've gone on further and further, uh, that needs to be adjusted to kind of just simply looking at those exercises and going, well, what are they in terms of a movement pattern? You've got a, a back squat, right? But it's a squat pattern, all right? So you've got knee and hip flexion, right? You're squatting down, squatting back up, right? Bench press, what is that? Well, it's a horizontal pushing movement, all right? So you're laying horizontal and you're pushing a weight off you. Then you've got a deadlift. What's a deadlift? Well, it's, it's, it's a hinge movement, but it is a compound because you are actually getting some quads involved, but it's only quite minimal. But at the end of the day, you're still getting uh, knee and hip flexion, similar to a squat, but you're just in a slightly different position. So then we kind of need to rephrase that and kind of go, okay, so we've got a squat movement, we've got a horizontal push movement, and we've got a hinge type movement. All right. So then when we actually look at all of the movement patterns, what do we have? We have squat, we have hinge, we have single leg, we have horizontal push, vertical push, we have hor uh, a horizontal pull, so like a, a row of some sort, barbell row, and then you've got vertical pull, which is like a lat pull down. And then you've got uh, shoulder adduction, which is like a lateral raise. And then you've got uh, elbow flexion, which is your bicep curl. And then you've got um, elbow extension, which is your tricep section. So basically what we need to do is go, these are the movement patterns. And with inside those movement patterns, you've got a number of movement variations. So you've got a back squat. You've got a front squat. You've got a safety bar squat. You've got a dumbbell squat. You've got a leg press. You've got a hack squat. All of these are squatting movements. It's just a different exercise variation, but it is working the squat pattern. Hinge movements, you've got deadlift, you've got Romanian deadlift, you've got rack deadlift, you've got stiff leg deadlift, you've got single leg Romanian deadlift. All right, so you've got the hinge pattern and then you've got a number of different exercise variations. Horizontal push, you've got bench press, you've got dumbbell bench press, you've got... Uh, uh, machine presses, you've got, uh, you know, incline presses, like you, pattern, exercise variation. So ultimately at the end of the day, we always want to be starting with compound movements or, or, or getting the vast majority of compound movements so that that's where you're using multiple joints at a time. So, you know, all of your squat pattern movements are going to be knee flexion and hip flexion. Um, all of your hinge patterns are mainly going to be hip flexion, but nothing's going to be able to hit the posterior chain as much. So we want to include that. So again, you look at all the movements and what they're giving you in terms of uh, the muscles being used. But at the end of the day, what's going to allow you to grow muscle the most efficiently is by you being able to execute the movement really, really well with a higher amount of effort. So the more and more as I've gone on, the less I give a shit about what exercise variation people do. So for and example, I, so you, you wouldn't necessarily have to do a squat or a deadlift. You could do, a, I mean, I know a hack squat's a squat, but yeah. you could use a hack squat instead if yeah. you weren't good at squatting and you had access to a hack squat machine. Yes. And a deadlift, you might do a stiff leg deadlift yep. instead of yep. a conventional deadlift. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. You know, and, and again, I, I, coming back to that enjoyment factor, I think that's really, really appropriate. And, you know, for some people they are like, I really don't like doing back squats, you know, because, you know, it requires a lot of effort and, and, you know, they're hard and I'm still struggling. It's going to take a lot of time. It's like, okay, so what's the most important? Do you want to learn how to squat or do you want to make progress and create the stimulus on those muscles that we need to do in order for you to have superior body composition? Obviously, a back squat is going to require a lot of pain. It's definitely going to do that. 
But if it's going to take you 20 weeks just to learn the skill before you can start putting some decent weight on the bar, as opposed to going and finding a very a, a variation of the squat that you can do well, like a front squat, or as you said, like a hack squat or something, and that's going to allow you to train really, really hard right now, then that, if that is the goal, then that's probably the better choice to go with. So I, I think it's really, really, really important to just, and a lot of people don't know what uh, exercise variations are going to suit them right now, especially if you're a novice lifter. And that's obviously a process you know, you need to go through. And that's obviously why working with a coach is, is obviously very, very helpful in those situations. And I think probably it's one of the good things that, that you've put together in our program is when clients actually come into our 16-week accelerator course, um, they fill out a really detailed intake training form. So the program is actually customized to you, yeah. you know, with based on your goals, how many days a week you can train, you know, what equipment you have access to, any physical limitations you have, and also your training age. Yep. So, you know, if you're a beginner... They're not going to say, here's 100 kilos, let's put it on your, squat it on your no. back. You know, you, yeah. it's, it's, you it's, might it's, do some dumbbell squats to start with. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. yeah. No, well, no, no, but, but that, that's exactly right. I mean, if you've never done if a squat, advanced. if you've never done like a squat pattern or done a squat properly before, then doing, you know, dumbbell tempo squats is, is the very best sort of squat movement that you can do. Now, yeah. especially if you're somebody who's, you know, trading from home, you don't have a lot of equipment, that's absolutely what you're going to need to do. But sometimes it can be a case of like, I want you to learn the squat pattern. So let's do a free weight squat. We'll do a dumbbell squat. And then let's get you on the leg press after that to really create that stimulus. Because it's, you know, let's, let's be honest. It's really hard to kind of, you know, cock up a leg press. It's like, get yourself into the seat, keep your chest high, pull yourself into the seat and let the, the weight come down. It's pretty hard to do a bad rep on a, on a leg press. So, you know, sometimes the the programs can kind of be set up where it's just like you've got your skill work and then you've got your your stimulus type work um so that just depends on the person yeah and the training age and obviously you've got to take in any movement or injury considerations as well some people who've got hip issues they can't do squats it's like oh, okay so now we've got to think outside the box a little bit you know so maybe we just do things like leg extensions and focus on a little bit more posterior chain work maybe there's certain single leg movements that they can kind of do so you know that's obviously where it gets more specific to the individual um but at the end of the day you've you want to be covering all of the movement patterns, squat, hinge, push, um, pull, you know, shoulder adduction, et cetera. And then within that, find the variations that they can do well. And then after that, it's more of a case of um, putting together the structure of how many uh, exercises they're doing in a per session basis, how many sets per week per body part that they can do and they can recover from. Does that work in with how many days a week that they can actually commit to their training? So then we kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit more with specificity, but yeah, exercise selection should always be the big bang for your, your buck movements, but it always should be based around what you can execute efficiently and, and obviously safely, you know, from the get go and then progress that. And then once you stop progressing with a certain movement, you know, yeah. then it's, then it's just a simple case of is, are there any technique tweaks we can make to it? Or is it just a case at this point in time, you've kind of exhausted that particular movement variation and we just need mm. to switch it out for something else cool all right and i get the ask this question so much on instagram um kitty can i train at home and do body weight exercise and band exercises and still grow mu muscle and change my body yeah so i think if you're a beginner and you haven't really done anything before um then yeah you can certainly make some 
some progress initially. Again, if if your program is set up where you're going through all the movement patterns and you're learning those movement patterns, just the the learning and going through the full range of motion, um, you know, even even just body weight, just doing it well, or even just you know with some light dumbbells, for a lot of people can just be enough to really kind of stimulate some change. Um, but obviously, the more advanced you are, or the more advanced you become over time, it simply just comes back to being able to apply the relative amount of stimulus to your body in order to continue to grow. So it's not that training with uh, light weights and bands can't work uh, up to a point. It's just more of a case of, well, you need to find a way to progressively overload, which means getting into those effective rep ranges, which is, you know, the last two, three reps before true muscular failure. And the lighter you go as, as you get stronger, if you don't actually have any heavier weights to use, you've got to continually uh, increase your rep range. So reps that you, you know, you were failing at 10, you know, down the track that becomes you, you have to fail at 20 to get the same stimulus and then you have to fail at 30 to get the same stimulus, and then you have to go to 40 reps and then 50 reps. And at that point, it just becomes so exhaustive just to get that end, end range for just one set that it just be, becomes not enough work to actually stimulate anything. So it just becomes a really inefficient way of trying to grow muscle. Um, so, and then, you know, if, kind of on, on the other end of the, the, expect, the spectrum, a lot of people on YouTube who do these uh, these home workouts where they're doing all the like handstand push ups and you know put push ups between you know chairs and like pistol squats you know single leg pistol squats and all that sort of stuff they're like super advanced all right that those movements are really really hard to do and you know the vast majority of people uh, would it, it would just make sense for you to just go to a gym. And just do things like bench press and machine presses and leg press and lat pull downs and stuff because you're going to be able to progress at a at a more even rate week to week. Where those things, it's like you might get one. I mean, you even just to do a handstand push up, you need to be incredibly strong to do that properly. Um, so to go from not being able to do much to doing a handset, it's such a big, 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 big jump. That again, it's also an inefficient way to train. So. Um, again, it just has to come back to you and where you are right now. If you're a rank beginner, absolutely. Just start with some dumbbells to start with some bands. You know, it, you, you're going to get a good stimulus, a good workout and learning the movement patterns just from doing that. I think it's fantastic. Um, but at a certain point, you either have to make that decision. All right. I'm maxing out with what I have now. I either need to invest and get some more heavier weights for at home and then maybe get a squat rack and do a few things like that, or just bite the bullet and, and go to a gym and, you know, progress it that way. Awesome. And so why are phases important and when you use them? So if someone's listening to them, probably thinking, Kitty, what the fuck are phases? <laughs> so, yes. so, you know, I've noticed in our new awesome app that Craig's built, custom built a coaching app for our Win It Life uh, clients. And um, when you log in, when you're a client, you can see that you're in a certain phase. So as an example, some of the phases are fat loss phase, muscle building phase, um, maintenance phase, me- metabolic rebuild phase. I think it's, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but <laughs> what do these phases mean and why are they important to, to someone, to a woman? Yeah, definitely. So the, the whole reason I, I put 
those uh, phases in is to kind of keep you focused on what the goal is right now. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, for example, I, I was having a chat with a, a client a little while ago and this person had already, you know, you know, lost quite a bit of weight and they're, they're, they're in a stage where they're already quite lean and they're in a really, really good position. So, and they're a bit more advanced now they'd, they'd spent quite a few years, obviously, um, you know, training and, you know, had a, you know, had a really good strong base and they were sort of at this stage where they're like, they're pretty lean, they're looking good. And they're like, yeah, but I, I really want to have my, my glutes to be bigger and my shoulders to be bigger. Like I, I really want to have, you know, continue to develop my physique. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, basically given that you're already pretty lean for you to, to do that, you need to go through a specific muscle building phase. All right. And what that means is it's going to require you to be in a caloric surplus and over time, and we want to monitor the, the, the rate of weekly weight gain, weight gain all right? Because obviously your, your weight is going to need to go up um, in order to keep you in that um, high anabolic state, which is more conducive to building muscle, right? When you're at maintenance, you know, especially if you're a bit more advanced or even in a deficit, it's really, really hard to make any real significant changes in your physique because you just, the energy requirements don't match what you're doing in the gym and you just kind of be spinning your tires. So for this person, they needed to be eating a bit more and, you know, we, we set up a muscle gain phase for, you know, about eight months. So they're going to go through a number of different cycles with their training. We set out some specific goals in terms of the numbers that they needed to hit for certain, you know, of them, the movements that they're doing, whether it was a squat or whether it was, there was chin-ups and there was dips in there. There was, there was quite a few movements there. And we're like, I need you to add 20 kilos to the bar for this movement. I need you to add this, whatever. And that, that whole focus or that whole phase is driven by the performance in the gym. So the food needs to be, you know, going up and it needs to be there supporting that process. But the reason why, the main reason why we do that is when you're in a muscle gain phase, your weight is going up. So, you, you know, for, so for this person, they're not going to look, you know, lean. They, they are going to get a little bit of fluffy and they have to be okay with putting on a little bit of body fat at that particular point in time. But when you lay down, you're like, no, 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 you're in a muscle gain phase right now. So when they have a brain explosion, which this person does, and just about every other person does, it's like, I just start to feel a little bit soft around the midsection and whatever. It's like, yeah, well, remember what we're doing. The goal is to be building as much muscle mass as possible and you are an advanced lifter. So you have to be willing to accept a little bit of body fat gain to maximize your muscle gain. And then we want to keep it within a certain limit that by the time we get to the end of this phase, you haven't put on that much and then we can start stripping the fat back, but we can do so as after you've actually added that extra muscle mass, right? And that's when we switch to a fat loss phase. And then, you know, again, it's just focusing on the objective we're trying to do. So the, the whole point of all the different phases is assessing the person where they are now or where they are right now and what their actual goal is, mm. and then setting up a particular phase. So then when, thoughts or questions are coming in it's then very easy to just go okay the purpose of this particular phase is to achieve this outcome right what you're asking now doesn't is incongruent with what we're trying to do now so you need to put that particular goal aside right and just focus on this and then once we get there we reassess and kind of go okay what what is the the goal that we want to achieve now so you know, one of the other ones we've got is, uh, you know, like just optimizing metabolism. So that's for someone who's, who's coming in, who's got all, 
you know, the, the poor subjective measures, the poor sleep, the poor digestion, menstrual cycle issues, you know, really, really stressed, all that sort of stuff. So in, in that case, we don't really focus on the training all that much because that is going to be a stress in itself. So we're just going to go, okay, we're just going to set a step target and our big focus is on nutrition and setting up more of these lifestyle and, and behaviors that's, that's going to really you know, improve all of those subjective measures of metabolism. So we, we set that phase. So when they go, well, hold on a minute, like, you know, I'm not really seeing my physique change or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, because we're, we're not in a muscle gain phase. We're not focusing on lifting weights or doing it. We're just focusing on you improving these subjective measures first because training is going to be a stress and that is going to further impact more of those issues that you're having. So let's get these fixed first, then we can reassess, and then we can change the phase and start focusing on something else. So and I think it's always good to remember that everyone's different. So, you know, yep. we've had many women come in who've, you know, uh, very new to lifting, who've gone through body recomposition. So they've built muscle, lost body fat at the same time, and they've improved their subjective and objective measures metabolism. So it's really is depers- dependent on your starting point, your history, you know, I think you just can't compare yourself to others, but that's the great thing about coaching is that you come, when you come into our program, you're assessed yes. where you're at, your history, what your goals are. And then the coach will recommend and say, look, I highly recommend you do this. We're going to do yes. this for this many weeks and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. So let's, you know, our goal is to, we're like problem solvers, I guess. Hey, you're like a problem solver to go. All right. This is where you are now. This is where you want to be. Here's all the shit that's in your life. <laughs> let's try and, you know, we need to get, get you here so what do we need to do to get you here so you know again I, like it's not it's not a one size fits all everyone has to do this everyone has to do this it really is just dependent on the um individual yeah, okay. like you know uh, i released a podcast earlier well i think last week talking about elzet who's lost 26 kilos you know and she's improved her cycle and her yep. sleep and saved her marriage i mean that's not a measure of metabolism but you know yeah well I- it's, I mean, but it's part of her life. It's obviously it is, and it's good. All, all those things absolutely count. But I, I think just to highlight that point, uh, you know, another reason going through and, and assessing is that you can actually work out someone's body composition, um, and you know, you can look at their body composition and go, right, you're 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 this body weight, you're this height, and you're this body fat percentage, right? And I think working that out is ultimately going to determine the approach very, very quickly because the reality is, and this is certainly my perspective, I'm sure not not every coach out there might agree with this, but I simply assess people. I I think it's really important to assess people based off a body fat percentage because let's be honest, if you're 35 plus percent body fat, which, you know, from our perspective is considered a higher amount of body fat, there's no physiological benefit in you carrying that fat there, there are detriments to that, plus the fact you probably don't like being at that type of body weight, right, or that sort of body fat percentage. So when you start, you have to go through a fat loss phase. You have to come down and be, and for us, we, we kind of say that healthy range is between 25 and 30% body fat, and that can simply be achieved by going through like a body recomposition phase, which Kitty just mentioned before, which is essentially where you – um, build muscle and lose fat concurrently. Now, it generally only works with people who are, you know, uh, what, what you would say a novice lifter or maybe an early intermediate lifter, not super strong. So they've still got a lot of runway in which they can make progress, you know, with fairly kind of uh, standardized programming. Um, but 
you know, as we know that the amount of food that you eat on a daily basis is what controls your body weight. So having the focus on nutrition to even just be at maintenance calories or work out what your maintenance calories is for most people, or even just 10% below maintenance calories is generally the range that anyone would need to start seeing a shift in body weight. And if you can train with, you know, a, a relative intensity that's going to stimulate muscle mass, you're going through a fat loss phase as a result, right? And generally for a lot of people, that body recomposition process of losing body weight from fat, maintaining or gaining some muscle from the training that you're doing, improving a lot of the, those subjectives from the type of food that you're eating, if done consistently, is generally going to lead to the holy grail of what a phase should be, which is gain muscle, lose fat and feel awesome. As you become more advanced, they need to become a bit more specific, but the vast majority of women that come into our program aren't at that stage. So they can simply go through and, and fix a lot of their metabolic issues while losing weight, improving all their subjective measures, changing their body composition, feeling great, et cetera. So um, I sort of digress there a little bit, but the point is, is just assessing from the get-go is very then makes it very obvious of what phase and what the focus needs to be. So awesome. And okay. very last question. How long does it take? <laughs> I guess it's how long does it take to achieve what? Because I mean it guess it depends on what you want to bloody achieve, yeah. doesn't it? So yes. I don't know. Like I look at some of the women now, like just an example, like Sean, who lost she's lost a lot of body fat and she's built muscle. She looks amazing. It was 18 months of solid yeah. consistency. Yeah. So you can achieve like pretty like amazing transform and Anna as well, like amazing transformations in 18 months, I reckon. Well, yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's important to, to, to point out that, that there is a difference between your know, weight loss because you can, you can achieve sustainable weight loss much, much quicker than what you can building a significant amount of lean muscle mass, right? <laughs> and I th and what I would say in Sean's situation, like when you look at her before photos, somebody who was not eating very well, drinking way too much and not doing any exercise, mm. right? She lost a significant amount of that weight fairly quickly. But when you actually see her after photo there, that one where she's in the gym, mm. what you're looking at there is physique development, mm. bigger shoulders, bigger ass, nice sculpted legs. back, yeah. good legs, the whole lot. Like that's someone who's actually built, you know, a, like a legitimate amount of muscle. So while we look at it, it was like, well, this transformation happened 18 months, the vast majority of her weight loss going from 99 kilos down to 98, 70, 70, 75 yeah. or 72 or whatever it was. Didn't, yeah. didn't really take that long because when you understand that losing 0. 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week is absolutely achievable, you can kind of reverse engineer and you know work out exactly how many weeks that that should take. But when we're talking about physique development, we're now having a completely different discussion. We're now talking about growing muscle. We're now requiring you to become that strength athlete and that requires more time, more dedication, uh, more uh, effort uh, with everything that you're doing in the gym and a, and a real want to go into the gym and train hard and develop that physique. So mm. I think it's important to separate those two when we're, we're having that discussion. Because um, I think when people go, oh, she went from nine, it took 80 months to go from 99 kilos down to 72. And it's like, well, well that's not quite accurate. 
you know, mm. but to have that kind of physique development transformation. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, but to go from 99 down to 72, that, that can be done pretty efficiently if you just, because at the end of the day, it, it, nutrition is going to be the biggest factor. So it's mm. really, if you can be consistent for that extended amount of time, it really doesn't take all that long. Yeah, I think, you know, like you always say that I oversimplify things and obviously it is more complex than this, but, you know, you're just like, Kitty, eat the food consistently, go into the gym and do your program and add weight to the bar and add reps and just do it consistently over a long period of time and it works, you know, and have some grit about you, you know, push in your training, you know. I think it's just so many women are looking for that magic quick fix and they're like, oh, why don't I look like this? Or why aren't I strong? I'm like, well, you don't train hard enough or you're not consistent with your training or you're just poor in your execution. You know, you're not giving it the time that yeah, it deserves yeah. to really learn how to master those movements properly, yes. you know, and all of that, if you do all those things, then you can just do it, do it, be consistent. You'll grow muscle and you'll get that physique, you know, and it's exciting. It's exciting yeah. being strong. Yeah, it's been look, annoying it's, me it's, not it's, training it's, this it's, week. Again, I think I spoke about on the, on the, the previous podcast, where, you know, when you, you you know, certainly for a lot of women who don't believe that they could ever, you know, you lift weights well enough to really change their physique. And it's just like, well, none of us started by squatting hundred kilos, you know, like we all started with the dumbbells as well, you know, and everyone has to start somewhere. The only difference between the people who actually make that legitimate change in their physique are the ones that are just going like, I'm, I'm hungry to get better at this. Mm. And I'm, I'm just going to do the work that's going to require to, to learn better execution and to understand what high effort is and to, to mm. measure my training. And when I go into the, the, the gym each time, I'm kind of look at my logbook and go, right, this is the, the weight and reps that I need to hit today in order to progress and beat, beat my performances from last week. Mm. And then it is just adherence over time, mm. just being prepared to do that week in, week out, month in, month out. You know, the time is going to pass anyway. So, you know, if it, if it, if it means enough to you, you know, like that's, that's the requirement, you know, people can't half-ass this shit. There's too many people go, you know, I've been doing this for a while, you know, I should be further ahead than where I am. And it's just like, you know, look at the, the work that they've been doing. And I'm like, you've been doing something, but it sure is shit nowhere near as what you should be doing for the result that you've got stuck in your head of where you think you should be. Mm. I'm like, no one's playing a trick on this. If you don't look the way you look, then you need to look at what you were doing. Right. And it's just, you know, this is what it comes back to, you know, success leaves clues. And when you see someone who's actually made a legitimate change to the physique, you know, sometimes it's just worth asking the question, how do you do it? What do you do when you go into the gym? What, what, what are the things that you focused on when you first started? You know, and if you ask enough people that have had those transformations, you're going to hear the same fucking thing over and over again. Or like, I, I made the commitment that I was going to do this. I, I took action on the things that I needed to learn. I went and executed them. Sure, I got frustrated, but I didn't give up. I just kept going, you know, uh, <laughs> rinse and repeat, you know. Awesome. Well, thanks, Craig. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, you know, as always, um, make sure you give us a rating and, you know, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways and uh, tag me at Kitty Blomfield, K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Um, that's on Instagram. You know, we just want to spread the word and help save more women from stupid fucking diets and endless hours of boring cardio and hit classes and, you know, <laughs> RPM. Yes. So the more you share, the more it gets the podcast out there. 
So thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Craig. And I'll see you next week. 